Hello, and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and lover of civil rights. I'm also a huge history nerd. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, anything weird, dark, or inspirational from the past. So let's delve into today's history. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon I'm gonna teach you stuff No, it won't be tough Gonna go a year till you've had enough It's 365 I've talked about Martin Luther King Jr. a few times before, but he was an inspiring person with an incredible life, so I'll probably never run out of stories about him. This one is about one of the times he got arrested during a sit-in at a lunch counter in Atlanta, Georgia. Morehouse College student Lonnie C. King, no relation, asked MLK if he would come to the protest. King later wrote in one of his autobiographies that he felt it was a moral obligation to participate in protests with students. King and 280 students from local colleges in Atlanta staged a sit-in at the Magnolia Room, the restaurant at Rich's Department Store. Rich's department store had very particular rules about segregation. Black Americans could purchase items from the store, but they were not allowed to try on clothes or dine in at the restaurant. This is what King and the students were protesting in October of 1960. King and his allies chose to make the Magnolia Room the center of their protest because of its place as an Atlanta institution, even though many department stores had similar unjust segregation rules. Across the South, lunch counters and restaurants were beginning to integrate, so they jumped on this opportunity to continue the efforts in their city of Atlanta. King and the 52 students who were arrested were arrested on the charge of not leaving private property when asked. 16 of the charges were dismissed outright, and the other 35 people were released on bond. Eventually, all the students were freed, but King was sentenced to four months in prison. The court stated that it was because he had a previous charge of driving in Georgia without a license. That arrest, too, had been basically bogus. The law he was arrested breaking was technically an anti-trespass law that was enacted to curb lunch counter sit-ins. Suspicious, am I right? That's just one instance of many of how the law has been used against people fighting for racial justice. Luckily, King didn't have to serve the full sentence. Legal help arrived and he was released within a week. Even presidential candidate John F. Kennedy came to King's aid. Him and his brother, Bobby Kennedy, convinced a judge to grant King a bond. He was released just a few days later, on October 27th. It's believed that Kennedy's actions helped him win the presidential election just a few days later, narrowly beating Richard Nixon. Stay tuned for more on Nixon. So that's the story of this specific sit-in, but what about other sit-ins that accomplished things during the civil rights era? Can we learn something about them to apply to our activism today? The sit-ins had tangible results, which can be a challenge in certain kinds of activism. Probably the most famous sit-in was the February 1st, 1960 sit-in at the Woolworth lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina, which inspired the one that King was arrested at. Four students purchased items at the store and sat to eat them at the lunch counter. A waitress asked them to leave, but they stayed in place. They thought they'd be arrested, but the store didn't call the police. They stayed seated for an hour until the store closed. The next day, two dozen students came and sat at the Woolworth lunch counter. The staff didn't confront the students, but local media came on the scene to observe and report. On the third day, the students formed the Student Executive Committee for Justice as a way to properly coordinate their actions. This inspired student protests all over the South. Nashville, in particular, had strong results from its sit-ins. 
One Vanderbilt student, James Lawson, led nonviolence workshops based on the teachings of Gandhi, and students from black colleges all over Tennessee came to attend. Out of these workshops and protests came some of the most well-known civil rights leaders of the next generation, like John Lewis and Marion Barry. These protests put public pressure on stores and restaurants to remove segregation policies. King later stated of the campaigns, They were an electrifying movement of Negro students that shattered the placid surface of campuses and communities across the South. It's a reminder that community organizing and legal aid are still extremely important in protest situations today. Getting arrested has a negative social connotation, but in times of civil unrest, sometimes it's the good guy who gets arrested. King himself was arrested 30 times throughout his life, willing to put his body, safety, and life on the line to secure freedoms for other Black Americans. Our music fact for today is from exactly a decade later in 1970. President Richard Nixon spoke at a U.S. radio conference and made a splashy announcement. He asked radio programmers to ban any song that had a drug reference. How did he define a drug reference? Was Nixon hip to all the different slang terms for drugs at the time? Your guess is as good as mine. One song, One Toke Over the Line by Brewer and Shipley, was gaining popularity and climbing the charts when Nixon's ban curtailed its ascension. Nixon's efforts didn't have any kind of lasting effect, but I don't have to tell you that. You can hear them anytime you turn on the radio. And now for our final segment of the day, I'm going to go back into my own photo archives and see what I was up to on an October 25th in my life. Oh my goodness. So on October 25th, 2018, I made my first flight towards New York with my dad to meet up with my management, um, my current managers, who I love very dearly. I met them in New York for the first time on October 25th, 2018. And It was a big deal because that was my first business trip. It was the first time that I flew for work and I also paid for my dad's flight ticket. I paid for our hotel and it was a really big thing for me because it was the first time I got to financially support going towards my dreams. And that was really cool. I remember my dad and my mom just being kind of blown away at the fact that I was able to do that and to also go with my dad was really special because I don't get many opportunities to hang out with my parents one-on-one and, you know, I love them both. They're both my best friends. So having any opportunity to do that is really welcomed and I have really fond memories of that trip as well. And that's all for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening and please subscribe on your favorite podcasting device. I'll see you tomorrow. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.